Hi, my name is David Peterson. I'm the creator of the Dothraki language for HBO's Game of Thrones and the alien language and culture consultant for Sci-Fi's Defiance, and you're listening to Genretainment. Hello, everyone. This is Genretainment at SciFiPulseRadio.com. We're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. And today on Genretainment, we speak to producers and actresses Stephanie Thorpe and Paula Rhodes. Now, they recently acquired the rights to the 35-year-old comic book series ElfQuest from Warner Brothers. And they grabbed a lot of attention on the web when they made ElfQuest a fan imagining. And now even more attention as they move forward to make official ElfQuest stories. We learn more about their plans for this franchise that has a global following in 12 countries. Plus, we talk to them about their extensive work in a wide range of award-winning web series and films. Now, uh, Thorpe has spearheaded over 150 episodes of web TV. And Rose is a collective 104 million views in new media projects. What you heard at the beginning of the show was a snippet from the theme song for our web series, Reality On Demand, a song composed and performed by our friend T. Sean Hardy. Now you can find our web series at realityondemandseries.com. Now let's get started with our featured interview with producers Stephanie Thorpe and Paula Rhodes. This is Marks with Genretainment. I'm speaking today with Stephanie Thorpe and Paula Rhodes. The main reason we're talking with you today is about your recent announcement on acquiring the rights to ElfQuest. Uh, which, yes. And I think that's a comic book property. It's been around since 78. It's coming up on its 35th birthday, wow. uh, February of 2013. Wow. And uh, now that was recently held by Warner Brothers. And, yes, uh, the rights were held up until the first quarter of this year by uh, Warner Brothers. Okay. Well, can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, how you guys got involved in ElfQuest and managed to get these rights? <laughs> do, you, do you want us to start at the very beginning, um, when we were both kids of <laughs> six and eight years old, or do you want us to start more recently? Well, let's start from the beginning. Let's see where your interest started with ElfQuest. Uh, and another thing we should do, too, if you don't mind, to some of our listeners who maybe aren't that familiar with ElfQuest, can you give a little bit of, of the background story? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so the, the background story of ElfQuest, actually, I'll let Steph. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take over. Um, it's a story that focuses on a small, initially on a small group of elves on a world not unlike our own called Two Moons, and they live in forests. Uh, these are smaller than human-sized elves, not the tall elves of Lord of the Rings and not the Keebler elves of the Cookies. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely not, nor the elves of Santa Claus either in his workshop. Um, these are fierce, sexy elves that um, live off the trees, um, and they are dealing with humans that have, are, think they are demons. And in the early part of the story, they are immediately driven out of their home as the humans burn it down and are forced to go on an elf quest to find a new home. That's their first urgency where they encounter trolls and have to transverse a desert. And along the way, they find something they didn't know existed, which is other pockets of elves. They thought they were the only ones. And they go on a larger quest to find their origins and why they are here. And it's a story full of, it's a very epic story, a hero's quest that involves love, um, sex, death, war, trolls, um, and other fantastical creatures. Now, but you, they're very human at their core. Now, how did the two of you become fans? All right, well, I'll just, uh, I'll just continue. For lack of a better word. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we've been fans our whole lives. Um, Paula, do you want to go first? 
Sure. I'll, uh, so uh, my introduction to ElfQuest came when I was I was very young, and my sister was um, on her way into this world, and I was reading a lot of books about how to be a good big sister, and I was getting more and more nervous. They were not, not calming me down. I was pretty sure because of these books that once you get a little brother or sister, your parents pretty much abandon you. So um, because of this fear, my dad decided to, to help me out a little bit and took me to a comic book store and said, hey, here's the thing. You pick out any book you want here, and then every time it comes out, we'll go get the new one, and it can be a special Paula Daddy date. Like, we'll still have one-on-one time. Don't even worry about it. So I went to the store, looked around, and was immediately drawn to, to Wendy's artwork. Um, ElfQuest just, like, jumped off the shelf, I suppose, and into my little hands. And so we, we took it home and read it and continued to get them as long as we could find them. And uh, I taught my sister to read on them, and it was sort of just a, a really wonderful part of, my, of, of developing my imagination and my storytelling and, and kind of ultimately led me to want to become part of the entertainment industry, I think. I mean, I tried to go to my first day at kindergarten dressed as one of the, one of the elf characters um, <laughs> in my version of that costume, which was my galoshes and a skirt and a bikini top. And my mom, mom stopped me. She said I could put that on as soon as I got home. Uh, but but it's always been a part of my life as, as far back as I can remember, literally. So when uh, when Stephanie posted it on Twitter, which we'll get to that story in a second, I jumped at the chance of connecting with another fan as it doesn't hasn't had a flagpole to rally around before now. But here's Stephanie's story. <laughs> well, um, like Paula, my my story starts when I was a young girl as well, and. Similarly to Paula, I have my dad to thank for it. I think my dad always secretly wanted a boy, so he decided he was going to raise his only daughter in all the things that he would like so we would have a common language. So I was being, I came home with The Hobbit because I was, had an affinity for dragons, and he said, no, that's a baby's book. Here you go. We'll talk after The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> baby's Aww. book. And, uh, and then he was throwing Dune at me and Isaac Asimov and all that kind of stuff um, and introduced me to Star Wars and Star Trek. And... Uh, a little girl, I love Disneyland, and we used to get to come down from Vancouver, Canada, because he had business once a year, and I would get to go to Disneyland. And so the time for our trip was coming up. We were going to California, and I was so excited to go to Disneyland, but instead we went to San Diego. And I got off the plane in my Mickey Mouse ears, and there was no Disneyland in San Diego. And my dad said, that's okay, Steph. I have something better for you. And it was Comic-Con. Uh-huh. And... Uh, that was um, really amazing to do that as a child and to see the way that that has changed over the years. Um, we had a panel for ElfQuest uh, a couple of years ago there and just amazing to, to see that, that whole process and, and that place really explode. I was allowed to get one thing, uh, actually not at the convention, but at uh, a comic book store afterwards. Like Paula, the ElfQuest volumes, the graphic novels jumped off the shelf at me and I was allowed to get one thing. And so after spending an hour at the shelf trying to furiously read them all, um, I bought the first volume. And this is where I owe my mother. We went to dinner, and uh, she excused herself to go to the bathroom, and she was gone a really long time, and she came back with volumes two and three. Um, And so I had been a fan. I was about, I think, eight years old at that time and uh, loved them, had very few people to share them with. My cousin, who um, now lives in Japan, also a girl. But, you know, it was a very sort of solitary enjoyment. And then, you know, we came back to them as teenagers and in college. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, I was back in Vancouver going through all my old comics and books and stuff. And I tweeted a picture of ElfQuest, uh, one of my favorite panels. And um, I just said, ElfQuest, anyone? 
and uh, my Twitter feed blew up with people being, oh, I love that, I love that. That's one of my, you know, I remember that as a kid, or I always loved that book, or really it's so sexy. I can't yeah. believe you knew of it, too. And one of the best voices there was Paula Rhodes. We already knew each other as being actresses and producers in the new media space. I was thrilled to find someone whose work I really respected and who I liked as a person who was also a fellow fan. A rab- rabid fan. A rabid yes, fan, yes. yes. And uh, we, from that Twitter conversation, we started jokingly casting um, from our, our mental Rolodex of girls from the web and, and traditional media that we knew that looked a ton like the characters and uh, who we also admired. And they started, either they knew the property or they'd look it up and immediately seemed to be on board, like, great, let's make this. So after all of these people kind of coming in as if we were actually making something, it finally hit us that we do actually make things. I suppose we could we have to think about this. At this on. point, um, Paula and I were both web series producers, and uh, and that just kind of hit us that you know we had the oh, skills yeah. and the ability <laughs> to perhaps do something with this, which was a really scary process. Daunting, that, especially daunting. considering it was something we loved so much. You desperately don't want to mess that up, of all things. But we uh, did what people do in L.A. We met for coffee. And um, we knew at the time that Warner Brothers had the rights, and so we thought, okay, what, do we, what would we like to do with this? And at the time, we really wanted to see this come to screen. So we figured, okay, how can we, how can we help them out? Like, maybe get the fan base jazzed. So, jazzed? Did I use that word? You did. Fine. But it's good. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we figured that we could make a pretty solid uh, fan fiction trailer, you know, short piece that could really stand as that flagpole that had been lacking for the fans to really gather around and raise their voices and hopefully to encourage the studio to move forward with the property, to, to bring it to screen. And, and really to show them that it translated from page to screen and, uh, and of course, in a live-action version as well. So we got in touch with the creators. We did, who I had uh, kept in touch with vaguely from Comic-Cons and otherwise. They were terribly wonderfully supportive and, and looked, checked out some of the uh, past work that we'd done to see where our bar was and seemed really uh, to just get behind us right away, which was overwhelmingly flattering mm-hmm. coming from people we'd admired so long. And so we, we started an Indiegogo project to raise funds to do this, and we had uh, right away a, a New York Times article came out, and that helped, and we reached our goal in a week of funding, and got all sorts of other press. I think we've had over, over 100 articles now come out, yeah. which is pretty awesome. In five um, different languages. Hey, okay, there you go. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um, I speak Pig Latin. Um, and did I use Pig Latin you as a reference? Jazz and me. Pig Latin. This is like the, a 90-year-old woman here. <laughs> this is the end of a long day for us. They're, they're getting us at our giggly best. Um, but yes, we, so we launched the Indiegogo campaign and made our goal in about a week. And so off we went into the woods with a baker's dozen full of of actresses um, and, and no cell phone service and no cell phone service mm-hmm. and uh, prosthetic ears that we spent the bulk of our money on to make them as penny esque as possible. Yeah, you know, generators and equipment and all sorts of fun. Stuff. All that fun oh, yeah. stuff. For small crew of professionals who we'd worked with before, and we're really thankful that they wanted to work with us again. Exactly. So uh, for about ten grand and all the favors we could muster in the world, and a lot of this was done on love and passion. Um, we filmed four and a half minute um, fan fiction trailer, which you can see at. ElfQuestFanTrailer.com, and uh, we did that uh, in February, and then premiered a sneak peek of it, or a preview to sneak peek at WonderCon in April that year. And then about a week later, um, we had um, a premiere that we were honored to have uh, SAG New Media throw for us uh, at the SAG building. We were the, the first red carpet at the SAG building, so that was pretty cool. 
uh, had a big party afterwards, and then a few months later, uh, we're invited to have a panel at Comic-Con in San Diego. Which was an incredible dream Really cool. Through. But we was scheduled for Friday at 8 o'clock, and we were kind of kind of nervous, figuring, oh, geez, nobody's going to, they're all probably drinking by room. then, and what's happening. Yeah. Um, but we showed up, and people had already been waiting for over two hours. The line wrapped around, like, down one hall and around a corner and another corner. And a so, bunch of them in costumes. Yeah, it was amazing. So we, we had a whole, totally packed house and have have literally continued to get messages from fan, fellow fans all over the world and um, and great feedback ever since. So I've been over a year up now. Absolutely. Although I, a lot of that is us answering the questions of why there's only girls in the fan trailer, but um, we've hopefully answered that a number of times as far as um, we had to sort of legally protect ourselves as the studio currently held the rights with our own twist on it. So that was important for us to put our own aesthetic vision and our, our own spin on it as well. And we also knew we were operating within a limited budget, so we wanted to go for the biggest bang for our buck and the highest production value because that's something that Paul and I don't like to sacrifice ever. Um, and we knew we could do a good job using the lovely ladies that we knew and making them look very elfin. Um, and look like them already. Hey. And it was also great for us, too, yeah. because um, Elf Bus really taught us. It gave us examples of strong female characters as well. So that was nice to be able to portray the women of ElfQuest. Um, as we go forward with the rights to the property, we are right. reassuring of in, in all the fans to that. Note that that is not the trailer, the fan trailer is not a precursor or a uh, trailer for whatever project we move forward for. It is it is its own entity, and it's served a lovely purpose, um, but moving forward, we're, we're hunting bigger games. Mm -hmm. Sort of like with Mortal Kombat. They came out with that, uh, yes. that fan trailer, and then that would eventually lead to Warner Brothers allowing them to make a, a series. Well, yeah, they actually, that was initially made as a way to try to get, that the director wanted to, to direct the Mortal Kombat film. That was sort of his pitch. Um, but they liked it so much as a web property that they yeah. they funded. supported it that way and funded it as a web series. But yeah, they're coming out with what season two now? Yeah. Just got announced today. Yeah. Uh, so how did you go from ElfQuest to fan reimagining to now actually getting the rights to it? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, so Warner Brothers held the rights as we were doing the um, the trailer, and uh, they let their option lapse. Uh, mm. Early last year, yeah. yeah. Early this year. Uh, early this year, at the beginning. And uh, we had stayed in touch with the creators, so we were from, you know, of course, as we would, I suppose, and they had kind of clued us in that the right to be reverting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we had stayed in touch with them. The fan trailer had been doing the festival rounds, and as Paula said, we continued to get, you know, support from fans and all that kind of stuff. It was always lovely as people found it over, the, over time. So we found the news out from Wendy and Richard, and uh, and then... On the drive home, we kind of uh, had, a, I guess, a bit of an epiphany. We were, were driving, and we're like, why has this never worked? Why for 30 years have people, you know, tried to make this a film, and, and it's never quite succeeded? They've had indie producers own it, they've had big studios own it, and it's never come to fruition. It always so, ends up in development, how, or yeah. has, so yeah. far. So we... we uh, Brainstormed, we found the reasons that we could identify as to what had, what had been the hurdles that it kept running into before, and we uh, approached it from, as fans, what we would like to see happen to it and to get around those hurdles, I guess. So we put together a business plan and uh, a, pitch. a pitch, and we're like, are we really doing this? Yeah, I know, <laughs> and I mean, we, yeah, this is our scary moment. Yeah, we've we had so many scary moments along the way. approached the, uh, the creators and um, kind of gave them our pitch, kind of the traditional route, I suppose, and they were getting a number of other people, you know, reaching out to them, of course. And uh, and we told we showed them what 
our vision was and how we wanted to bring this property up, not just up to date but into further incarnations and into the future. And it's at, at its, you know, coming up on its 35th year, we're finding this wonderful nostalgia for the property. So the where, second generation of people exactly. discovering it, which is nice. But so they loved our pitch. They loved it. They'd never heard anything like it. It just hadn't even occurred to anybody else, I guess, before. And I guess maybe it wouldn't have been able to prior to now and the lovely stars aligning technology and otherwise. But we uh, – we made the pitch. They accepted it. We did the whole traditional, you know, entertainment lawyer route, and then we're able to announce it, as you saw in the Variety article, which was pretty, pretty darn cool. <laughs> Very darn cool. And we were thrilled that, uh, you know, all our other supporters picked up the story as well. And, uh, yeah, which and we've been so thankful for. It's It was a very funny morning, I will say, and nobody else has gotten the scoop from me. But as the Variety article came out, and I didn't know it was out yet, we had no idea when or if it would for sure run. We found out. As it happened. As it happened. We had no forewarning. Um, uh, so I think Stephanie texted me. Yes. And I was <laughs> in the doctor's office, which is a really awesome place to find out about something at your <laughs> annual physical. And, uh, like, you know, with your embarrassing robe on and otherwise in there. And, and I'm like, hey, doctor, this is really weird, but I just, I really need to get this text. I'm so sorry. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and she was, anywho, um, it made for a really funny diary entry. Um, but the doctor was very excited for me, and, and I'm healthy, yay. So, like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all in all, a win of a day. <laughs> now, and it's been a while ever since we're uh, yeah. looking at assembling our team and actively taking meetings. Great. I know it's still pretty early, but what's it, is this going to be? And maybe you don't even know yet, but is this going to be a movie? Is it going to be another, like, a web series? What kind of direction are you thinking about going into? We have a plan A that we're hotly pursuing. And in the interest of just in case we end up having to go plan B, I suppose, we don't want to totally show our, our hands yet. And as we don't want plan B to feel less loved if we end up going with it. But um, the beautiful thing about this property is that it can exist in a number right. of different mediums. This is a franchise. This is mm -hmm. something that's going to be around and, you know, in various formats, be it video games and merchandise and, you know, a tent pole or something and otherwise. So it's there's a lot of mediums, and we're kind of uh, we have our favorite, and we're excited to announce it soon. But we want to make sure we get our ducks in a row there sure. before we officially announce. <laughs> uh, and you hinted that there won't be an all-female cast, so it, it most definitely won't. No, we're telling the story. We're staying true to the core of the story. Like I said, that was that was done for a completely different reason when we didn't have the rights to protect ourselves and to make it the highest production value we could. And uh, now we have the rights, so we get to actually tell the story. As, in its as we want to yeah, tell, it and tell it with all the characters that you know are important to it. So yes, we look forward to you know casting a cutter down the road or having some say in that. Exactly. When we were doing the fan trailer, I kept insisting on the shirtless men she wanted casting, casting session. really <laughs> badly. Colleagues just kept saying, no, we don't have the budget for it because then we'll we'll cast them. We'll get we'll want to put them in. We can't. We can't. And I was like, let's just. Let's I think just I was worried about anyway. having to so more. I did. I hand sewed most of the costumes for that, and I was a little worried about having so much breech cloth. So it's less less in my forte. Said, no. <laughs> uh, we look. We look. Breech cloths are really easy to sew. Though. I don't. I never understood that. But um, you yeah, know, we look forward to the casting process of this. And and the important thing to note is like you know, in our hearts, we're fans of this property, so we want to tell the story and, and, and do it justice. And, and, you know, we know we can't make each and every fan happy, but uh, we're going to try. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, any other little teases you can give us about it? Uh, we're just really, like, first and foremost, we're just so excited. Um, I, you know, this has been a really magical 
experience for us to, uh, you know, do the fan trailer and have Wendy and Richard come on set and see. There was this one moment where Paula was playing Nightfall, one of the main female heroines of the piece, and uh, we were reenacting a, a fairly iconic panel from the comic books, and uh, Wendy and Richard just started tearing up um, as I was directing them, and that was really special for us to know that we moved people who really inspired us to come into the entertainment world. You know, we, to a certain extent, became actresses, became producers, because we saw these strong female characters, and it inspired us to be the heroines of our own story. We wanted to be elves. We did. Let's be honest. And and if you haven't seen Paula, she is an elf incarnated. (laughs) I am taller at uh, just under 5'8", and so I got to play the evil taller elf, um, which was also a dream come true for me. It's just been really wonderful. Do we have any last-minute teases we can leave them with? Um, I would encourage people to to stay tuned and to to follow us on Twitter, and otherwise we we do make some some little slips here and there. We get really excited. Um, And so to follow us, you can follow me at uh, the Steph Thorpe. With an E. With an E. Yes. And I'm uh, at Paula underscore Rhodes. Rhodes spelled like the scholar or the colossus of. And uh, we have some exciting announcements coming soon, hopefully. Right now we're really meeting with potential team members. Um, But, yeah, I I guess the biggest tease we can give is we're hunting bigger game than people seem to think. Mm -hmm. I guess we can say we have no interest in doing the uh, indie film, We Raise the Money Ourselves, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people have um, suggested um, or just assumed that because we did an Indiegogo campaign before, this would be a project on Kickstarter. That would be so, a slight, yeah, with the budget, even the biggest budget anybody's raised on those, we couldn't possibly do off-quest justice. Uh-huh. So, uh, so no, we're, we're hunting bigger game, um, and we look to reach a much wider audience. Very much. We're very much interested in doing a service to the fans that it exists, but the really exciting part is creating new fans out of this um, and just uh, showing off this property that has been long overlooked to a whole new cross-section of genre fans and mainstream fans. Great. Okay, so Paula, uh, well, both of you have a lot of web series, new media experience. And Paula, could you go a little bit on how you got involved in web series first? I got involved in web series. Uh, Sure. Let's see. Um, So... It's a little bit like, uh, I say this, but it totally is, is a good analogy. Like the earth cracked and there's this whole other society down there with its own celebrities and its own rules. Um, but I got involved in it in, uh, gosh, 2008, I believe, yep. 2008, um, when my friend Kathy Barron, who uh, had been on a, a pretty successful web series, I think, called Valley Peaks, and I started brainstorming, and we're like, you know, let's just make something. And so we got this, let's get a bunch of girls together and make something amazing. And so we had a meeting, and there were about 16 girls that showed up at the first meeting, and we brainstormed a ton of ideas for what what kind of thing we could create, what kind of show we could make. And um, we're like, okay, let's make back here next week, same bat time, same bat channel. And um, the next week, three of us showed up. <laughs> so from there, we sort of uh, had our idea of our favorite one. So we started going to Tube Sulcher meetups and going to other new Media Vault meetups and things and networking, which at the time it was a pretty small, t- tight-knit community, which it still is to some extent. And it and that was really wonderful that they were so welcoming to me. So I think even at my first meetup, I might have met Brett Register and Craig Frank and um, Marcos Stavitt and a ton of people that are kind of players in this realm and, um, and Casey McKinnon maybe. And we just, we all uh, stayed in touch. And, and I think in particular, Brett Register and I really hit it off as, as friends. And so when he created um, 
a pilot for the Escapist Film Festival, Good Night's Quest, he called me probably like the night before. I think it was like a Thursday, and he wanted to know what I was doing on Friday. Oh, web, how fast it moves. Um, and if I had any princess dresses, and also if I wanted to produce. <laughs> and I, I did, and I, I had three or four princess dresses, ironically. Um, so we got together, did that, did the whole 24 episodes for Escapist after we won the festival, which was fun. And we did a BBC pilot presentation and all sorts of stuff. And I think from there it just kind of kind of escalated because you, you meet all these people and kind of incestually use each other for other projects. Like, hey, you're really good. Come do this on my show. And and I, it's, been a, it's been a blessing. It's been some of these people become my closest friends out here and, uh, and definitely amazingly creative peers that I look up to and I'm proud to stand among great i'm kind of i almost want to ask why well, you have three princess dresses but we'll let that slide <laughs> are they i think i had one that was more video game princess which is i think what we ended up going with because yeah. she's a video game character uh one that was more disney princess uh and i had one that was more of a medieval why do i have all these costumes what's wrong with me <laughs> anyway i have a lot of costumes um, it's called cosplay. Sure, yes. I have. Well, I, I haven't even. I didn't even know what that was at the time. This introduced me to a whole new level of awesome nerd nerdism. Um, so I've embraced it wholeheartedly. I'm letting my my flag fly higher now. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, and Stephanie, how did you get involved in web series? Oh my goodness. Well, um, about the same time as uh, Paula Rhodes, although my story was just a is slightly different. Um, I'm originally from Canada, um, and I was up there in Toronto. I grew up in Vancouver, but I was uh, finishing off my master's degree at the University of Toronto and using it to fund uh, my acting career and doing uh, stage work and film and television up there, and turned to producing, because like Paula, we're both very tenacious, and although we are patient with our creative things, impatient in other things, and we both turned to producing because we got tired of waiting for the phone to ring um, and wanted to create vehicles for ourselves. And so I started producing um, short films at first and doing the festival circuit with them and then a couple of features while I was up there. Uh, and then when I was finished with my degree, I came down to Los Angeles. There I, down here, I, I met people and was kind of frustrated with the uh, festival circuit at that point. Uh, it was very expensive uh, to go to all the different festivals, even submitting to them. And uh, so my partners and I, had a bunch of product projects together, and we thought, oh, you know, this the web space is really opening up. Let's uh, let's chop uh, one of our projects up, uh, and this was with uh, Mike Davies and Taryn O'Neill, and it was a project called After Judgment um, that existed in a different form, and we turned it into a web series, and we were very blessed. We got um, a lot of critical acclaim. Someone quoted us as being the lost of the web, and I think I nearly fainted when that happened. Um, and we are nominated for a handful of streamies in uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008. It's first streaming. And we lost to Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog and Battlestar Galactica and Jane Espenson and um, Mr. Whedon at every, everyone we were nominated for. And it was an honor to lose to all of those people and, and kind of, um, you know, very odd to be considered in the same caliber. And from there, we, I continued to produce um, web content uh, was hired by a company called Babblegum to produce a series, um, which was uh, absurdist sci-fi um, in the vein of Douglas Adams about two people whose apartment hurtled through space at an alarming rate. Um, and after that, I went on to do a number of projects producing Wise Asylum um, and also in front of the camera, um, my favorite being Night of the Zombie King, which focused on a group of, uh, of adults who 
come back to finish their high school game of Dungeons and Dragons uh, that they left unfinished. And it's kind of like the big chill for nerds. And of course, they sort out a lot of their problems along the way. So uh, both Paul and I are still in front of the camera when we can, doing acting stuff and then producing behind the camera. Uh, most recently, I've been uh, on screen and off producing a series called Shelf Life. Um, with Tara Platt and Yuri Lowenthal, which is a lot of fun. And we just finished uh, our finishing filming with pickups, our fourth season of that. So there's 40 episodes of that that are going to be out, 30 already. Um, and we had a very successful Indiegogo campaign for that, where we raised almost $35,000. And then, because I'm not busy enough, um, with my other partners, um, I just filmed uh, 40 episodes of a new series called The Ladies and the Gents um, that Paul and I were both in. And that he doesn't sleep. I don't. We don't believe in sleep. <laughs> neither one of us. Um, we don't have time. Rest is for the when we're dead, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, the ladies and the gents it was a lot of fun, uh, and it allowed me to do creatively um, what I really wanted to do, which was bring the community that has given me and Paula so much together even more, and give them a space to be creative in. So uh, what myself and Rob Paget and Tanya Einan and Steve Lekowitz and Avi um, did together was have just uh, one set that functioned as a ladies' bathroom and a men's bathroom, and we traced the shenanigans and bathroom antics over the course of one night in a nightclub. And what was really special about this is they were, are all tiny little vignettes, and so the ladies' portion was all written and directed by different ladies in the web community, and we had 20 episodes of that. And then we also have the gent side, which directed and produced and written by men, um, but that happens, novel, that happens all the time, um, and we're pairing them together, and we'll be launching them early 2013, all 40 episodes, and 15 ancillary content at least, so between Paul and I, I know I've produced over 100 different episodes of Web Glory, and uh, I'm, you have tons, so. I think Barbie helped me out for my count, but yeah, I think it was over 104 million hits for stuff that, total, that I've been involved in. Yeah, uh -huh. It's cool. It's nice when we can sort of point to those neat benchmarks of things, and uh, and we're just, we love what we do, and we just keep doing it. We love being on screen, and we love bringing things to life. Great. Well, I'm glad you brought up ladies and gents. We had Cater Pitchers on before on the show. Don't you love all those people? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> We have a meeting tomorrow where we're going over more rough cuts tomorrow night. It's very exciting. Oh, well, the Hollywood Wasteland is going to come out soon, too. I guess we'll say, hey, stay tuned. We're going to be on the web. <laughs> well, great. And we have a lot of web series creators on, so a lot of times I ask them if they can give uh, a tip, uh, like a do and a don't, for people who might be thinking about going into web series. What kind of do or don'ts would you give? I have, I have my big do and my big don't, and my big do is, if you're going to tell a story, tell something you're passionate about. Tell something you really care about. Uh, the web can smell in on, it's inauthenticity. And so really tell a story from your heart and from your gut. And that's my do, absolutely, as you create. Um, and my don't is don't bite off more than you can chew. In the web, you have to wear tons of different hats. You're a producer, you're craft services. You're probably in front of the camera and behind the camera. But this is a really wonderful community where you can, where you can build a good team. Um, but really think about not doing more than you can on the budget that you have. Uh, let's see. For me, I would say my do, number one do, is just make it. This is such a wonderful time in history when you actually have all the technology for not terribly much money uh, to actually bring your stories to life. So if you're kind of on the fence about, I don't know if I should shoot it, shoot it. Just make it. It's a great experience regardless. Um, 
but that said, also do make sure you have a really thick skin because um, the one thing you will have to deal with on web is how to take criticism uh, because your audience has immediate access to you and you are able to get feedback from them as never before. So be sure that you know you have a thick skin, which I think with ElfQuest has been a wonderful experience for us in that we got a lot of outpouring of love, but we also got our, our share of criticism. And what's been great is that when you actually reach back to the, shall we call them trolls, <laughs> um, and, and, and come at them you know, with kindness and sort of explain yourself, perhaps, what they were seeing and what they have a question about, um, and with a little pinch of humor, never helps or never hurts, uh, then we've managed to turn quite a few trolls that initially came at it rather grumpy into to new fans and to for them to realize like we are listening to them we do value the fact that they took their time to watch our content um and so that's been a wonderful metamorphosis to watch online so yeah have a thick skin go ahead and make it and um don't hmm. so, make, make it good don't make it crummy don't don't make it bad is <laughs> it good? make it bad do it don't make it bad <laughs> Yeah, I know those YouTube comments can get pretty uh, pretty mean sometimes. Yeah. Um, we, we will not admit to being reduced to tears by any of them, will we? Never. Never. We did not cry. Mm-hmm. At all. And even the ones that said wherever to happen, we still wrote back, you know, with, with niceness. If you come at evil with evil, it's only going to multiply. So. Uh, it's so fitting for ElfQuest for it to be trolls, right? I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, indeed. So we, we battled the trolls as elves are wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I used want too. You did. You're just you're pulling out all the words. <laughs> I promise I'm not over 50. <laughs> so our IMDb pages and check us out. Uh, I need to get my picture back up there. Darn IMDb switching over to pro. Getting everyone's pictures done. Anywho. You guys are so involved in web series community. Uh, I'm curious what you believe the future of web series will be, especially for independent creators. Um, I'd love to see it just continue to grow and grow. To see it grow. I think it's it's becoming more and more valued as a, a medium in and of itself. And it's not just TV on the web, although it can be in some instances. It, it's more than that because you have the access to fans. So I look forward to seeing a um, an audience-driven, audience interaction sort of uh, formats emerge. I don't know. I think I think it's, it's exciting to... To watch very much so, and, and like and having been involved in it now since 2008, the both of us, um, and a little bit before as we yeah. were making things, getting more. It's it's feeling the growth is arising exponentially, the legitimacy as well. People are, are starting to take it yeah. really seriously, are a lot more serious than, than when we first started, when it really felt like the wild wild west. Right, you say we did a web series and people laugh. They feel like we like, don't know what that is. Oh. <laughs> No, well, let's see it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's getting more legitimate. Exactly. And we find we have to explain ourselves less. In the beginning, it was like, uh, see some cat videos? Yeah. And now we, we do, but. We do film cat videos, <laughs> yes. But we are going to be saving Stephanie's cat that we need Oh, to you're going to say that in an interview. Ah, she just did. So exciting. We, we shaved my <laughs> cat. Let the jokes in the, ah. in the, an actual cat. Yes. An actual cat. Let it Interesting. Joke. So, Paula, um, you've outed yourself as being over 50 cat. and a cat lady. Jesus. Good job. Yes. <laughs> and you'll be able to see this video on YouTube. It's good thing I'm married or I'd never get any, any dates. Jeez. Uh. All right. Well, great. Well, it's been great talking to you two, and uh, I wish you the best of luck with ElfQuest. 
Can you guys? Thank you, thank you so, so much. much. And thank you for, for taking the time to interview us. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to interview us, and, and we're very thrilled to come and chat anytime you want. One last time. If I you guys can go ahead and, and pitch your websites, so make sure our listeners can find you. Uh, uh, mine is officialpaularoads.com. And mine is thestephaniethorpe.com and on Facebook as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at thestephthorpe. And at Paula underscore Rhodes. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Tanya. And I'm Rob. We're, We're from Cater, Cater Pictures, Pictures, and you're listening, listening to Genretainment. Special thanks to Stephanie Thorpe and Paula Rhodes for speaking with us. We look forward to seeing what they do next with ElfQuest, be it movie or web series or something else. We know it's in good hands and will be a must-see. Check back Thursday when we speak to Barry Dodd, the co-creator of the popular Maine-based web series Ragged Isle. We learn more about this mystery suspense web series and talk to Dodd about his views of the future of independent web series. And next week, we have Joe Wilson, the creator of the popular independent TV series Vampire Mob, on our show live on December 18th. Yes, we're doing something live. 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 We should have that echoed like in live, a stadium. Live, live. The show is a, has a very talented cast with actors from Twin Peaks, Boardwalk Empire, and Sopranos. So if you have a question for Wilson, be sure to call in. Now, later next week, we'll be speaking to both the director and the producer of a sci-fi movie that brought us Nazis from the Moon, Iron Sky. So be sure to check out these fun episodes coming up. So that's it for today's Genretainment. Join us back right here on this channel at SciFiPulseRadio.com every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific. And of course, you can listen to any of our past episodes by searching the archives. Until, Until next, next time. time.